Before I get started, I want to thank the pastors for opening again the pulpit of the church that I had to have an opportunity to speak and share maybe some of my life experience. Uh, that's the best way to explain it rather than saying my years of experience. So. <clears throat> God is so gracious to us. Before I get started, a little wake me up here. I was thinking about this. So if a bus station's where the bus stops and a train station's where the train stops, why is it at work I have a workstation? Is that where I stop? Right, anyway. All right. Just seeing if you're paying attention. What? Yeah. Oh, Pastor, I don't do that to you. <laughs> Yet. All right. So, yeah. The, the name that I put on my message, and my wife can attest to this, so it's not something that I just brought up as I walked in and heard Ashton speaking, and it's right here on my paper, it says, let it rain. <laughs> and man, do we have it today. And I can explain to you a little bit, the, the interesting part about this is it's not, it, it's, it's a moving that's going on in my heart. Um, and when I say the term, let it rain, God, have your way. That's the rain, right? It's, it's not, I'm not talking about rain as in raining over something. I'm talking about bring it on. Let it come down, whatever it is, right? Sometimes we get in the way of that, right? So as an introduction, I'll just tell you that uh, tonight, I've got a series of thoughts and inspirations, hopefully to help you build confidence and release the fears that maybe have been holding you back. You know, in my own life, I've seen a lot of things happen for me that I've experienced God work supernaturally through, through me in my life and in my day-to-day -day walk with him. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to see miracles. And I, and I mean that. I, I, take, I guess I, I just kind of assume it, Right. If I'm working and I'm missing something nine times out of ten, I ask God for it, and I find it almost instantaneously. Because I say, you got me here for a purpose, and I'm missing something. So what is it? That's the way my God works. So he can do the same for you. He's not a respecter of people. He'll do anything for you if you ask. So... I'm here to share the power of the revelation that I have received. Now, I'm hoping and praying that your ears will be open, that your eyes will see the same as I am. I'm not suggesting I have anything higher or anything better than anybody else. I'm suggesting what I've received. So I just want you to get it because it excites me. Okay? So I want you to understand how to allow the perfect work of the cross transform your life and your thinking. Because... Most of our problem that we'll encounter in my life, at least from my experience, has been me. It's a stinking thinking, right? Like, you think wrong. When somebody's angry or frustrated at you, nine times out of ten, you're getting maybe a little bit from what happened in the situation, but nine times out of ten, you're getting some backlash out of something that's built up from other events that have had an impact on people's lives. And... And so sometimes our position gets skewed by that, and we shouldn't allow it. We see it happen in the church. People get offended, and they, you know, the smallest thing, and they can pick up and leave. And I'm not preaching to anybody about that. I'm saying that sometimes we see little tiny things that make big movements happen, 
and the what you deem to be the big thing that should make the movement isn't the thing. It they just keep building until it's enough one day. Same as marriages, you know, marriages in today's age they seem to come and go. So it's not that you got into a marriage preparing to get out, but over enough times of people having issues occur, at one point in time there's what they call a breaking point or a boiling point where they've had enough. Follow? We're good? We're good? All right. All right. My plan is to show you that you can trust in God's goodness well enough that you can trust him enough to say whatever you want. Jesus said it best when he said, not my will, but I'm be done, right? Trusting in his good experience, we can have a better experience, right? Instead of us having to learn through our mistakes, right? God is supreme, and he wants to operate that way in our lives. Do you believe that he's supreme? If he's supreme, then why aren't we living and walking and breathing that? Because he is, right? On, on Saturday mornings, we get to discuss a lot of things amongst men. One of the interesting things that we've come up with is we determine that none of us are perfect. I know my wife is surprised to hear that. Um, in ourselves, okay? Now, I just put an, an end on that. None of us are perfect in ourselves. But the truth is, God has created us perfectly. He's given each one of us weaknesses. He's given each one of us problematic things for other people. So that in our weakness, he can show forth his power. Not that we would look like the hero, but that he has to be. I, I've seen it. I live it. The men that come here on Saturday morning, believe it. We, we're all in agreement, right? It's the truth. <clears throat> Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will complete it. Well, we should be able to just stop there, right? But we need to learn a little bit more, right? You don't necessarily have to follow me on all the scriptures because I do have a bunch. I'm planning to read the entire, and no, no, I'm just <laughs> So my question is, if, if we're to be confident in the fact that Christ, who's begun the good work in us, is going to carry it to completion, why is it we don't walk that all the time? And I'm not condemning anybody, I'm not saying... But why is it we don't walk in that confidence that we, that we move forward the way God wants us to move forward? Is it that we're placing our confidence or our trust in someone or something else? Maybe? Yep. All right. Think about this for a second. Back when we were kids, we used to play games, you know, and I remember one of the games, and I, I do it now with my granddaughter, so... I get her to stand and put her hands to her side, and she just gets to fall backwards and trust that I'm going to catch her. Well, the first couple times you play that game, what do you do? You put your foot back because the element of trust may or may not be there, right? And I've taught her that she can trust me. I'm not going to let her fall. And it's in that trust that she can fearlessly lay back. And it's in that that she feels completely relaxed. That's the way God wants us to operate in our lives. Regardless what our eyes see, regardless what our ears hear, we're supposed to lean back. Trust that he's got it. 
that he indeed works all things for our good. It, now, it does not say that he works everything out to be good. He, he works everything for our good. It doesn't mean it's all going to be great getting there or feel great is a better way to put it. Because sometimes things that don't feel so good turn out to be really special in our lives. <clears throat> First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect last love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not, made, uh, has not been made perfect in love. If we can think about that for a second, perfect love casts out fear. So that's complete trust. That's what I'm talking about. That's the rain, that we trust God enough to say, God, whatever it is, just let's do it. Let's do it. So we don't have to be fearful of the road that is untraveled or the turn that we've been frightened to take for fear that it won't end the way we think it should. If we're motivated by God and he directs our steps, the Bible tells us that steps of a righteous man are ordered of him. Again. Trust. When we fully trust, we can rest in any storm. Correct in saying that? Matter of fact, Luke 8, 24 says, and they came to him. Now, Jesus was on the boat. Now, you can just imagine. Now, the boat's rocking around, and the boys are all upset on the boat, thinking, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. Instead of having confidence in the fact that the guy that they've been following around is downstairs sleeping, it's not bothering him one little bit. You would have to think that somebody there would think, if he's confident of this thing, we shouldn't be upset about it. He's doing all kinds of stuff that are miracles. But that wasn't the case, right? And it's probably just so we can talk about it tonight. Well, see, that's my God. He put that in there 2,000 years ago so we could talk about this tonight. All right. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased. There was a calm. That's the peace that passes all understanding. He just told it to be still. Just be still. That's what he's saying to you tonight. Just be still. Take it in. Don't be concerned about what you're feeling. Don't be Because that's called feelings. There's a reason they call them feelings. It doesn't mean it's real. Just to say, right? People impress on our feelings all the time to get all kinds of things out of us. Motivation to sell us stuff, to do all kinds of things. Trust me, I was in sales for a long time. <clears throat> our confidence needs to be in God. If our confidence is truly in him as the creator of the universe, we can do anything. Correct? Okay. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So if it's, it doesn't say in some of your ways, it doesn't say to lean on your own understanding when you want to. It says lean not at all on your own understanding. That means full confidence in him. Stop trying to think it through with this, because what I do know for sure, and I'll, I think the men that come out on Saturday, this we can confidently say gets in the way of most of the things that we try to accomplish in our lives. We overthink. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So that would mean, oh, wait, every area of your life in all your ways. That, see, this is where this gets a little bit tricky. 
Because if you can acknowledge him in all your ways, he can affect change in all areas and not just the some areas. No, some, some areas is next door to some area. Do you get that yet? Samaria? Yeah. Anyway, so if you're trying to find it on the map, it's not far. Life itself is a series of events. Tonight's an event for you. You're either going to take something away or you're not. But that's your choice, right? So, again, the title of my message or what I'm going to say is I'm going to get more into it is Let It Rain. So if life is a series of events, you got to remember that sometimes what starts out as a sunshine event ends as a rainy event, right? Have you been to one? Have you lived one? <laughs> we all have. Take heart, right? There's a reason that Jesus told us to take heart. Because we're to follow after him. And if we can take heart in him, then we don't have to be alerted by all the other things that are going on around us, right? We don't have to get sidetracked. We can stay focused, right? The focus is to be on God, right? Have you ever seen good times turn to bad times? And I don't mean JJ back in the 70s. Anyway. All right. Somebody's got it. Somebody's got it. Yep. I am. Yep. And we've seen happiness turn to sadness, right? Small, small hills that turned into big mountains. It looked like something little, and then you get up to it, and you went, oh, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Or blue skies that turn to gray ones, right? My point is, of that is this. Life happens, right? We have some control over some things, but very little control of most things. We have lots of things that interact with our day, with our lives, on an ongoing basis that we have no control of, and we have to put our trust and our faith in the creator of the universe. If we do that, we can't go wrong, because he directs the universe. Let me say what universe really is. So universe translates as universe or one verse, meaning everything working in harmony. Hebrews 1.3 says, God, God's sun shines out with God's glory, and all that God's sun is does mark him as God. He regulates the universe by the mighty power of his command. He's the one who died to cleanse us and clear our record of all sin, and then sat down at the highest honor beside the great God of heaven. I think that might have been the TLB, if you were looking for it. I realized when I started reading it, I thought, no, this isn't the New King James. <laughs> and, I've, and I specifically chose that one because I really think that if we understand his word is his bond. It's James' bond. No, it's everything because he does not fail his word. He's able to uphold the universe by his word. And upholding the universe just simply means this. Everything works harmoniously. We don't even realize it because it's so seamless how many things happen in the run of a day to make this world just keep functioning the way it functions. And I don't mean by people's function, I mean the world's function. The fact that we've got a planets that move and a, a globe that's moving and sun that moves and 
It's incredible, and it's all by his word. He makes the seed, he makes the sunshine, he gives the water to support its growth. A little scientific fun fact for you. And I thought this was interesting because it got me off a little bit of a tangent. Um, I, I went to a random site called Sciencing, and I just put in purpose of the sun. And it said, the plant growth is considered as the main force of energy used to develop the seed and bring it into the photosynthesis, converting water, soil nutrients, and carbon dioxide into the food, which developed the seedling into a fully developed plant. Isn't that interesting? So the air that we breathe turns into carbon dioxide, so now no good for us, but the plants, they need it because it's going to turn into food for them. Hmm. It's exactly how he works. Everything works harmoniously. You don't even know it. It just goes. So I did the same thing with the purpose of water. Purpose of the water with respect to seeds and plants, okay, is the same as human beings with their drinking water. It is absolutely, I think this is so interesting, essential to the health and development, bringing forth the maturity through time. Rainwater from the sky differs slightly from that of a hose. One, it carries essential nutrients that sometimes our tap water doesn't have. Number two, some of uh, those uh, nutrients are lost, right? But... Two, the rainwater gives a saturation, not just water to the roots of the plant. The saturation meaning that it's also helping the other elements that are around the plant. It's not just about the one item. That's how God works. And I think I've said this before when I spoke that God showed me very clearly at one point in time that it's not all about me. As much as I like to think it's about me, it's not. So I stopped thinking about me. I fixed the problem. So fundamentally, the rainwater is used to develop the maturity of the plant. Back to the mitotolo message, let it rain. We are the plant. We're planted by the Lord, right? So that be the case, we need the rain, which is sometimes not always comfortable for us. My point of that exercise for the science part was that we clearly need to understand the purpose of the rain, both in the natural world for food development, but also development of our character of allowing God to rain down on us. Help us to embrace the things that aren't exactly as we'd like to see them. I don't mean necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, because sometimes we like to rate them. I would rather say, like I said earlier, a series of events. Life brings things to us. There are just that. Things. The Bible's very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Why do we get so caught up in the things that touch us? That is not where the battle's going on. It's just what you're seeing. The battle goes somewhere else. So in the same way the rainwater supports the plant, God supports our lives. Think about this. He gave us his son, and his son allows and brings forth the rain and allows issues of life, the rain, simply to develop and mature us. 
the same way the sun and the rain work together to develop a seedling to a plant. Interesting. Feeding us God and the sun, allowing the rain of life to bring us both to a spiritual place and a physical place of maturity. Not for his good, but for our good. The sooner we can catch on, <laughs> the sooner we can get through that, right? Do you ever wonder why life sometimes gets a lot easier for you to get through the day-to-days as you get older? Like, I found there was a time in my life where I felt like the challenges were bigger than me half the time. And now the challenges really seem like nothing. And, and I don't mean that in a smarty way. I just mean that I gave a lot of attention to challenges that were not at all challenges. Put focuses on things that weren't to be focused on, you know? Is it important where somebody puts their shoes when they come in the door? Not that I was focused on that. I'm just saying we focus on things that are ridiculous, right? Whether we're... OCD or whatever it might be. I mean, you know, whether the toothpaste goes over on that side of the counter or that side of the counter, it shouldn't make a difference and it shouldn't ruin our day. We don't argue about it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> we don't even use toothpaste, do we? Nah, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Oh, God is good. Yeah, that'll fix it. Yeah, I've had that before too. Find it down the street. That's what I was told. Anyway. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Think about that. The steps of a good man are ordered by... So do we have to be concerned? If you're a good person, and I don't mean a good person, if you're, if you're following after God, there, that's the good person. If you're chasing after him, if you want the best of God in your life, if you know him as your Savior, and you want the best for your life, do you think he wants the best for you? Yeah, why should we be alarmed by anything we see? Shouldn't we just say, bring it on? Shouldn't be concerned about it. Let it rain. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Well, so he's actually got you, right? He's got, he's got control of the situation. Now, if you don't give him the control... He can't necessarily provide for you the way he wants, but he wants you to give over to the fact that stop letting your flesh get in the way. <laughs> give in and let God, right? James 5, 7, and 8 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. See, there is a purpose of rain in your life. In the same way. So don't fight the process. I spent many years trying it. Didn't work. Think about the children of Israel. I think about them, and sometimes we mention the fact it was 40 years, but I, I've spent 40 years of my life spinning around in circles. Right? I don't know. I could have been a ballerina, really, if I had lost a little bit more weight and done it. Well, I'm just just teasing. I got a little laugh. That was good. But if you think about 40 years in the wilderness, right? 
those people fought the process. They didn't even have sandals. Right, John? They were called what? A stiff-necked people. I could see it, actually, if you understand 40 years of walking around doing the same stuff and not really catching the story. Imagine being the preacher back then. <laughs> you might have said, let it rain. <laughs> Maybe with a stick on a rock. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So let's consider maybe a few people that have experienced some rain in their lives or situations in their lives only to find out that they were right where God needed them to be. That's the part we don't get, is the fact that if our steps are ordered of God, we should never be alerted by situations that are going on around us because that just means it's a, there's an opportunity here, right? So you're missing the opportunity and you're focusing on the wrong thing. God wants you to understand that he can put millions of things together to make one event happen for your life. And he did it. You're saved. You're here. The fact that you came to him. Think about all the events of your life that led you to him. The Bible says that he's patient with us. <laughs> so we know who he is. Thank you for your patience, God. David, for example, he was being chased after, actually almost to the point of death, right? I can guarantee you it wasn't always sunny for David. He sweat a few times wearing that big old tunic and everything else that he had on, running through the woods trying to avoid the man that was trying to chop his head off. And there was times that the rain and the darkness around him in his physical world Seemed like too much to bear. But he got this. He understood what I'm talking about. He understood that he's not fighting a physical battle. He understood there was spiritual forces of darkness that were assuming after him. And that all he had to do was find his place of peace with his heavenly father. What he understood was regardless of everything else, God loved him. And I'm going to tell you right now, he loves you every bit as much. Regardless of what his circumstances suggested around him, he had a place of peace that he found his rest. That enabled God, right? Because where he, where he found God in his place of peace God was able to make the man into whom he wanted him to be. He wasn't always that person. He had some questionable character traits. Maybe an anger issue. Today, we would have forced him to go to get some help. But back then, that was a little bit different. God worked with him. See, God can work with people if they're willing to work with him. That's why I'm saying he's patient with us. He doesn't want us to miss it. He's willing that we'll take the trip around the mountain again, if that's what it takes. It was during this whole time that David was in this conflict. You get to remember, he wrote the larger portion of the book Psalms. <laughs> Pretty incredible, considering it seems like a lot of people under dress write a lot of stuff, eh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... The interesting one, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. 
That, now, that is a guy that understood where his help came from, right? He didn't question it. Now, I won't say he didn't have his moments, but he knew. He knew in his knower that God was who he was, and he wasn't going to let him down. But he also respected the authority. Not just the authority that God had given him, but the authority that God had placed over him to the tune that he wouldn't hurt the man. That's an incredible thing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me by still waters. Now think about that. So that means he gave him the place of peace. He understood without God in his life, there would be no peace. Seen a bumper sticker years ago that said, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. The end of the Psalm 23, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he had confidence in knowing, right? There was no, you weren't going to surprise him with something. He knew his God. Just like I know my God. He's faithful. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. His commitment's not going to fall short the day you need it. He's in 100%. Another person in the Bible that kind of speaks of the situation that maybe wasn't so great in the beginning but ended with a glorious ending would be Joseph. Do you think about the story? So he was sold into slavery. Now, now here he is, a young man working for his dad, probably... I would assume, you know, they were farmers. It's probably not a bad existence. You know, they got a farm. They, there's lots of camaraderie amongst the people that are all working on the farm together. His brothers apparently didn't like him, or they didn't like his dreams, one or the other. But neither here nor there, his life was probably pretty reasonable. And then one day, it turned pretty rainy, pretty dark, pretty fast. His brothers grab him, throw, throw him into a, a hole in the ground, and then sell him off into slavery. He was traded as a commodity. Think about it. How would you feel? And if Rick sold you tomorrow as a commodity, what would you think? He better get enough. That's what you would say. I know that, right? <laughs> only, only to end up in the end at the hands of the most powerful man or one of the most powerful men of the day. And not only did he end up in his hands, but he ended up having full confidence from that man to do whatever he needed to do. So he won favor. Because that's the way God works. What seemed like a bad thing turned out to be a great thing. But you have to let go and let God, right? So he had to let the rain happen first. Things had to get a little muddy on the ground. Things weren't going to look so good. And he had to step out of his comfort zone. Now, he didn't do that intentionally. His brothers were kind enough to do that for him. <laughs> you can always count on a brother to throw you under a bus <laughs> or in a hole, <laughs> whatever you want. No one should mess with God's plans, right? God works in mysterious ways, we say. Well, that's the mysterious way. You took a situation that looked like it was devastating. You have to think as a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old guy that... That would seem like pretty bleak. <laughs> well, I guess this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to be tortured. I'll be a slave. 
only to find out that you're with the most powerful man in the world who happens to like you. <laughs> Interesting. So, Joseph, I'm sure, appreciated the rain after he found out where it was leading him, right? It was through the terrible wilderness experience that his character became molded and shaped him into being able to assume a position of honor. But he had to be shaped and molded before he'd be prepared for the position of honor. So don't fight the process. That's right. That's the problem. We don't want to get chafed and shaped and we want a quick fix. Hey, Doc, you got a pill for that? But that's not the way it works. Not with character. Another one is Moses. Now, Moses didn't have a lot to do with what happened in the beginning, but I think about the faith that his mom must have had, that, that she wasn't just willing to allow the events of the day to take place, but she said, I'm going to put my boy in a basket, and I'm going to send him up the river for his own safety, right? <laughs> Happens to be up the river, right? Yeah, yeah. He had no paddle either, poor little fella. <clears throat> now, that would have seemed as a pretty rainy day in that household, right? What would you feel when, if you had to send your son up the river in a basket? Just let him go. Never to see him again. But the interesting part is, is he may not ever make it, or he may not ever be raised the way you think he should be. But with God, God's able to take a situation like that and completely change it because of the faith and the confidence of his mother. He not only saved the boy, by having the king's daughter find him and say, hey, I'll keep him as my own. What a brilliant thing to do. And because I'm so busy and I can't raise him, can someone find me a nanny that can raise him for me? Happens to be, oh, the boy's mom. Does that not seem like that's the way God works? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, this isn't one story. This, this, this is another story and another story. And what about your life story? Think about how many times God's come through for you in a pinch. Or turn something around that didn't seem like it was going to get turned around. You just can't put any stock in what's going on around you. Your confidence has to be in God. Jesus prayed this in Matthew 6, 19. And the men do it when we get together on, on Saturdays. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, the interesting part about that is turning it all over to God. It's not, it's not anything else. It's the fact that we have to relinquish our part in the program, right? Give in to the process. Father, it's your will that I want. Beyond my own. I'm trying to change my thinking that even when I state things that I'd like to do, that I consciously, if God wills. Because it's about changing our thinking that changes the outcome. Because when we change our thinking, we'll change what comes out of our mouth, which changes the end result. We have the power to speak things, right? God's given it to us. 
that whole prayer comes down to one thing. Let it rain. Do your part. Whatever it has to be. Sometimes it's not going to feel good. We don't like the trials of our faith. (laughs) But if they're for our betterment, maybe we should learn to like them a little bit better. And maybe they won't be so painful. Just thinking. Ever go to the gym and have a really good workout? It's almost empowering just to have the workout. That's the way God wants us to be with him. If we can allow ourselves to go through that push, on the other side of the push is what? A breakthrough. God's purpose and plan for your life includes development. So you can't fight the process because the process is what gives us the development. When we fight the process, we're fighting the development. We don't become the men and women that God intended for us to be. We become what we intend for us to be, which has become a big part of the problem for all of this earth, actually. So rather than fight the process, let's invite the process. God, let it rain. Have your will, not mine be done. You know, there's times in our lives that we see difficulties and bad things that we see in the natural as bad things happen when they're really just curves in the road. Do you know what a curve is really meant to do? And the purpose of of that curve that you're leaning into, because with a motorcycle, that's what you want to do. Go for it. Typically, it's to keep you from something that's even worse on the other side. So think about driving down the road and where there's a turn. And the reason the turn was there was because there was a large pile of rocks there, and they thought it better to go around them than try to go through them. So it would have been catastrophic had you gone through the rocks. Right? But the curve kept you from the rocks. So if we can apply that same principle in our lives... The curves in the road, the hiccups along the way, are really there probably to keep us from something way worse. If we'll just take it the way we're supposed to take it instead of fighting the whole thing. We go in, not me. Well, what it is, we just want to be in control, which is is all, all bad. It's all bad. As I said earlier in Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with your whole heart, right? That's what it's about. Give over right? Stop trying to be you. No, really, let God. If, if God had his way in your life, it would change everything you do, right? From the way you act, from the way you respond to people, from the way you talk to people. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 tells us, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I want you to focus on the fact that it says, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's in our weaknesses, the fact that we have things about us that aren't 100%, that he wants us to rely on him, that he becomes the portion of the percentage we are not. Right? He fills in where we're not perfect. That's right. Our imperfections are perfect to him, and he wants to keep it that way. 
We want to change everything. We got straight hair, we want curly hair. We got long hair, we want short hair. We got blonde hair, we want brown hair. We're tall, we want to be short. We're short, we want to be tall. We got muscles, we don't want muscles. We got people just aren't satisfied with who they are and what God's created them for. That's the truth. When God wants us to be satisfied and more than satisfied, he wants us to find our confidences in him. You know, Pastor Paul had mentioned on Sunday about being a family, you know, and on Saturday we were talking about, funny how this all kind of rolled together, being fitly joined together. And part of being fitly joined together is that everybody has a part to play, right? We can't all be index fingers. It's funny. Like, you just can't. It wouldn't fit right, right? We'd all want to be at the beginning. We can't all be thumbs, although it'd be kind of cool. Thumbs up, man. You don't want to all be thumbs, just saying, especially if you're dancing and stuff. But anyway, we're supposed to be fitly joined together. The whole idea is that it becomes like an unbreakable cord, and every part has its place. That means that one that's good at this makes up for the one that's not so good at that. Meanwhile, somebody else is good at this, and they make up for the one that is not so good at that. You know, that's how this is supposed to work. Not that we're supposed to show one another up. Find your place, yeah, and water it. <laughs> yep. See, God works with what we give to him. Like, if we give our lives over to him fully, he'll work fully in our lives. If we give him a little bit, you're going to reap back on the little bit. So what I'm saying is just let it go. Let it rain. Bring it on. Do you know that he'll make perfect what's not perfect? He'll make straight that which is not straight? He can handle it. We're not going to surprise him with anything we bring. He's seen it all. If you've got a situation that's not good or not right, and you turn it over to him, he will, and I promise you, if you surrender your heart and life, he will turn your situation around. It may not be what, the way you expected it. And that's, again, part of us problem. <laughs> we focus on how we think it should turn out. When really, the we got us to where we were, <laughs> which is why we shouldn't get involved anymore, right? We need to back out of it. So, again, don't fight the process, but rather enjoy the journey. Romans 8.28 says that, <clears throat> and we know all things work together for our good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Are you called according to his purpose? I got two over here. Anybody else? Okay. All right. We're up seven or eight now. That's good. We're heading in the right direction. So if, if indeed his word is true and we're called according to his purposes, then we should never be concerned about anything we see. I'm trying to build a little confidence with you, sir. Anybody buying into the book of goods? Yeah, because if our confidence is in him, we should never be concerned about the situation that's going on around us. Now, we can speak to the situation, right? But we shouldn't be concerned about it. 
right? Should you be concerned about get price of gas going up by seven cents? No. And I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't matter. You're going to buy it anyway. The only thing you need to be concerned about is where your help comes from. Because I can assure you, he can give you seven cents. How many liters of that did you want? So, let it rain. Now, he did say all things work together for a good. He didn't say some things, did he, James? Yeah. Does that mean just part of them? So, all. Yeah. See, James knew. I, I knew if I asked him, he'd have the answer. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, think about this. This is the God of all creation speaking to Jeremiah about what his thoughts are. Thoughts of peace for good, not for evil. So you understand that God has you. He wants the best for you. If you're not getting the best, then I can only tell you that you're in the way. Hello? Hello? Test. Okay, the mic's working. Just didn't know if anybody heard me. If you're not getting the best, then you are in the way. Anybody? If you're not getting the best, then you're in the way. Because according to my scripture that I just read, all things work for my good. That means my God is able to do it. Then if I look at the Jeremiah, it says that the thoughts towards me, right, are for good, not for evil, to give me future and a hope. That means he has control and he has got me. That means I don't have to be concerned about it. The only thing I can do to stop that is open my big mouth, right? Where's your confidence? Future and a hope, not fear and trembling. <laughs> yes. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. Now, that's God speaking. <laughs> and truly, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He, th- he can think way further than we can, and he can see way further than we can. So why don't we just trust in it? I mean, you, I, could, I could probably go on for like two hours about scriptures that are going to support the fact that God has the ability of doing what we need to do. We don't have to overthink this. We overthink it. We analyze things to death. It doesn't add up on my schedule of things to do. Anyway, if he's indeed your all in all, he knows what you need long before you ever had the need. He knows you. He's called you. You've been chosen. There's no need in being concerned about anything that goes on around you if indeed he has you. I'm, I'm circling the airport. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That was God speaking to Jeremiah. If he did that for Jeremiah, my Bible tells me that he doesn't change. He'll do it for me. My point is, is, he knew him before he was ever birthed. He knew who the man was, and he called him. And he spoke to him. God speaks things into existence. So can we. Yes. 
Galatians 1.15 says, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him. That was Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So, again, if God chose Paul and was willing to do that for him, called him by his marvelous grace, probably it'd be safe for me to say he's done the same for me. And probably safe to say he's done it for each of you. Why can't we walk confidently in that? Or why don't you? Change your thinking. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He chose. Hmm. So, he chose us. If it weren't for him choosing us, we wouldn't be here. Just saying. The call of God is just that. Goes out to all men. And women, sorry. We're all called. The Bible says a few are chosen. So, <clears throat> he chose you today. You're here. You're listening. You're having the opportunity to be able to take in the word of God. You're having the opportunity to be able to know who the creator of the universe is to you today. He loves you beyond measure. You can't measure. You can't. He doesn't stop. Doesn't matter what you do or what you did. Doesn't matter what you're going to do. He doesn't stop. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That was David. He is God. He's made us. It had nothing to do with us. Where we are today, it's got very little to do with what we are or what we've done. God's got a path for us if we choose to walk in it, right? He can take a life that's broken and empty and turn it around and make it full. He can take something that seemed like it was destitute and make it divine. He can take leftovers and turn them into luscious things. Like, that's God, right? Let it rain. Let me close with this. I've got two more scriptures. So Ephesians 1.4. Do I? Okay. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. You got you to get your head around that. Does, do you understand? Before you were actually formed in your mother's womb, he's called you. You're part of something. You're not, you're not just another of anything. You're an individual created by the, the, the creator of the universe. He's, he's given all of the attributes into you that he wants. He didn't make a mistake because he doesn't make them. 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Hmm. All grace toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things, everything we have need of, 
the grace that we had need of, the things that we have need of. He knows of them. That we can have an abundance for every good work. That means he wants to give us everything we need to do good on this earth. Not so we can just live our life frivolously, but so that we can do what he's called us to do, right? And he will give it to you. If you do what he's called you to do, you don't have to be shy. You need to be confident. Stepping out. So this is a good news story, right? You know that, right? That he's got you in the palm of his hand. He never stops. We sing a song about that, right? He never stops, never stops working. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Father, it's your will we want, not mine. Let it reign in our lives. Change us from glory to glory. Verse 1, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. It's because they need to remember what you taught. Yeah. Like you just can't let the, you just can't sit here and nod and say this was good. You need to take it home and get into it. So anyway, yeah. God bless you, Rob. Yeah. Thank you. Choose the cut. Take in the rain. Let it saturate your life with the goodness of God. Fill you to overflowing. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.